Amen. Well, good morning, Livingstones. It's a great day to be in church. It's good to see everybody today and worship with you this morning. Um, I, I tell you, it's it's going to be it's going to be an awesome, awesome day, and not just because the Packers got bumped up to prime time and they're going to be on Sunday Night Football. That that's just an added bonus. But it's it's gonna it's gonna be a a great morning. Um, I just wanted to just kind of start and begin just by saying a huge thank you. Everybody who came out and was working outside in the cold yesterday, helping decorate. Um, and also, though, everybody who came out for our family night that we had on Tuesday. We had a great time. There was about 80 of us that were here and just had a lot of fun. It was a lot of, a lot of laughs, just being able to connect with, with one another and had a great time. So I'd, I'd encourage you, if, if you were not able to make it to family night this past week, the next time we have one, do whatever you can to try to be here. It really is a blast to be able to hang out with your church family outside just on a, on a Sunday morning. So um, I also wanted to share one other thing with you real quick before we, we get into our message today is around this time of year, right, right as we're heading into December, we typically have what we call our Give Campaign that takes place every year. And we typically have like a, a ministry or a project that we're raising money for that we're trying to support and, and be a blessing to. Well, we're going to do things a little bit different this year. And, and you'll hear more details about this next Sunday. But I just wanted to share just a, a few, uh, just kind of whet your appetite with it for a bit. But what we're going to try to focus on this year are just some kind of personal evangelistic efforts that we're going to have. And, and the series that we're going to be, our Christmas series that we're going to be uh, sharing uh, in the month of December leading up to Christmas is we're, we're calling it God with us, Christmas presents. And, and really talking about what does the presence of God bring into our lives? And how can we share that then with other people as well? And, and so what we want to focus on with our Give campaign this year is how can we be present with our neighbors, with our community, with, with those who are around us? What, what are some ways that we can go out and be a blessing and, and allow the presence of God to, to enter into somebody else's life? And, and that could be through you know, taking a meal to somebody who, who, who's a shut-in or just to a neighbor or sending an anonymous gift card to somebody or, or, or maybe it's just being a, a, an extra blessing to, to a waitress of a restaurant you typically, typically go to, having a neighbor over to your house during the holidays, just doing something to share the love of God, the presence of God with other people during this, this month as we're getting ready to celebrate Jesus having his presence come and dwelling with us. And so we're, next week, we're going to have a bunch of different ideas out there in the lobby. We're going to have like a pegboard out there that you'll be able to take some different ideas and what we want to encourage absolutely everybody here in our Livingstones family to do is to take one of those ideas as a family and just do something to be a blessing to somebody else in, in your life, in your community, in your neighborhood over these next couple of weeks. And like I said, we'll share more information with you next week about that. But just wanted to kind of throw that at you that, that that's what we're kind of, kind of thinking for our Give campaign for this year. So let me just pray and then we are going to uh, jump right into our message. It's going to be a great morning. I pray it's going to be an encouragement to you. So Father, I just want to thank you, God, for the blessing of being able to speak and address your people today. God, this isn't, this isn't my church. God, this is your church. And God, just I, I, don't, I don't take it lightly to be able to, to share your word and, and perfectly be an encouragement to your people today. I pray, God, that you would just prepare 
all of our hearts to, to receive what you have for us today. God, that, that we're going to be open to hear from you. Lord, I just pray that you would just speak through me in a mighty way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so we started two weeks ago, we started a series that we're calling Beauty for Ashes. And, and you heard Nathan reference it uh, earlier, that what really we're talking about is in Isaiah chapter 61, that he's, Isaiah's prophesying about the coming Messiah. He's prophesying about Jesus and what Jesus is going to be doing when he's ministering here on earth. And I shared with you that this wasn't just something that's meant just for Jesus, to be doing, but everything that's listed in Isaiah 61 is something that we have been called and we have a responsibility to carry out and to share with, with the people around us as well. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the first four verses from Isaiah chapter 61 with you. These have kind of been our, our theme verses that we've been sharing over the past couple weeks, and then we're going to jump in from there. So it's Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. And he writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, or longleaf pine trees of righteousness, a plant into the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And, and the question I've been kind of posing both last Sunday, I'm posing it again today, and we'll talk about it next week too, is how do I experience Isaiah 61 so that I can share Isaiah 61 with others? You know, how, how, can, I, how can I help heal the brokenhearted when my heart is broken? How can I help those who are grieving when I'm grieving? How can I help those who, who are, who are uh, just at the end of their rope when I feel at the end of my rope. How can I experience Isaiah 61 so that I can share Isaiah 61 with others? Well, last week we talked about relationships. We were talking about how one of the things that, that God is, has asked us to do is to, God can heal our hearts. He can heal some of the wounds and, and the things that we've had happen to us through forgiveness. And, and just a total side note on that, Ansel and I last night, we went on a date. We went to see the new Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks in it. Great movie. I highly recommend it to, to anybody. And, and that, that's the exact thing that that movie is about. It's about extending forgiveness so that you can be healed. And, and it just what, what a great example of, of what I talked about last Sunday. And, and so last week, like I said, we, we talked about uh, the relationships aspect of, of Isaiah 61. Now, Today, but before I kind of really get into the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about, if, if I asked you a question and, and said, can you tell me who the quarterback of the New England Patriots is, I bet most everybody in the room could probably tell me. Like, e even if you're not a Patriots fan, even if you're not a big football fan, most people know that Tom Brady is, is the quarterback of, of the Patriots. Um, you know, when he's won all those Super Bowls. Tom Brady is the one. He gets to hoist and hold up the Lombardi Trophy. He's the one that, 
that Michelle Tafoya wants to interview at halftime. He's the one that gets all the media attention. He is the superstar on the Patriots. But if I asked you, does anybody know who the long snapper is on the Patriots? Is there anybody in the room who could tell me who the long snapper on the Patriots is? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't, I didn't know either. In fact, I, I'm going to put his picture up here on the screen. His, his name is Joe Cardona. And, and if, if he wasn't wearing a jersey, you would think he probably like, works at AutoZone or something. Like, he, there, he, he, just, he just looks like a regular dude. And, and the thing, though, about him is nobody in this room had any idea who Joe Cardona is. Like, I, and I'll be honest, I'm a huge Packers fan. I have no idea who the long snapper on the Packers is. I'm, I'm just being real with you. Like, of course, everybody knows Aaron Rodgers. Everybody knows the superstars. But nobody knows who the long snappers are. And, and you know, the, the thing about the long snapper in football is they have a critical job. Anytime there's a punt, a field goal, or an extra point needs to be kicked, the long snapper is the one who has to snap the ball in a perfect spiral right on target between 7 and 15 yards straight behind him. And, and, and one of the things that's unique about a long snapper is if he messes up his job even once, it's a complete disaster. If, if you've ever been watching a game and saw the, uh, the punter, he's getting ready to, to receive the punt, and the snap goes sailing over his head, I mean, it's pandemonium. And, and it's just, if, just one mistake that this guy that nobody's ever heard of makes, all of a sudden, everybody knows his name. And last, last Sunday, when the Patriots were playing the Eagles, they had eight punts and three field goals. And Joe Cardona executed all of them flawlessly. You know, we, the, he, he, he was perfect in, in his job. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's interesting about this is people focus in on the celebrity. They focus in on the superstar. Everybody knows the Tom Brady's of the world. Nobody knows who the Joe Cardonas of the world are. And most people probably don't ever give a single thought to the long snapper on a team unless he's screwed up. Like no, nobody thinks about him. And, and what most people would probably think is, man, you know, the, the long snapper on a team, any schmo could do that, you know, and it just seems like an insignificant part of the football team. But, but I'll tell you, the, the long snapper is so critical in, in the success of a football, team, football team, that if he makes one mistake, it can literally be the difference between a win and a loss. Like, one, just one mistake that he makes. This insignificant player, or what people think is insignificant player on a team, just one mistake, and it can be the difference in a win or a loss for a team. And, and it's that feeling of, of insignificance that we're going to be talking about this morning for a few minutes. Because I, I, I would be willing to bet that most everybody in the room at one point or another has felt insignificant, has felt like they have nothing to offer. That, you know, in, in the world's eyes, man, I'm, I'm nothing. I don't necessarily have anything to share. And, and in Isaiah 61, 1, the very first thing that Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus is that he was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And if you were with us in week one as we were talking about this, that word poor doesn't necessarily mean somebody who has no money. What That word poor is talking about somebody uh, who has no social standing, somebody who in the world's eyes has nothing to offer, somebody who's on the outskirts. 
He's, he's been anointed to proclaim good news to the long snappers in our world, those that everybody else overlooks and doesn't pay attention to. And that's who I want to talk to this morning. I want to talk to the people in the room who at one time or another have felt very insignificant, who at one time or another have felt like, I have nothing to offer. God, could you honestly use somebody like me with my past and my baggage and and somebody who doesn't have it all together like me? God, how could you ever possibly use me to contribute to anything of, of value? Well, last week, as I was sharing with you about relationships, I was sharing with you the relationship that Paul, the Tom Brady of the New Testament, I mean, he, he, I mean, that's who he was. He was the leader. He planted churches. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul was the Tom Brady of his day. And the relationship he had with, with a young man named John Mark. And, and in the, the letter to, to the Colossian church, which is where we're going to begin today, as Paul was writing his letter to the Colossian church, he actually introduces us to two long snappers in, in this passage here that I wanted to share with you. Two guys who may seem very insignificant, but actually played a huge part in the early church. And I'm going to share that with you this morning. But before we, before we head to Colossians, I just want to share this point with you. And, and you can write this down on the back of your bulletin if you want. But I want you to know that God honors the people that society often overlooks. And I tell you, that's good news for all of us in this room. Everybody who, who has ever felt like they don't quite measure up, that's good news for us because God honors those that society often overlooks. God uses, I, I could give you countless, countless examples in Scripture where God is using the, the less than to accomplish something amazing. God is, God is using people who have a mess on their hands, who don't have it all together to do something amazing. Somebody who's insignificant to accomplish something awesome. Romans 2, 11 says, For God does not show favoritism. God doesn't, God doesn't have favorites. God's not looking for, for the, the people who, who are the superstars of the world. He, he, you know, let, let, me, let me say it like this. God loves and honors people, not just people who are successful or wealthy or good-looking or super talented. That, that's not who God honors. God honors the people like us, Pe- people who might not have it all together, just the, the everyday nobodies. Those are the people that God honors and that God uses. God, he, he's thinking on a completely different level than we think of on human terms, where the world might look at, at you and the world might look at me and say, man, what do they have to offer? And God says, wow, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. And so in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, Paul's going to introduce us to the two long snappers we're going to be talking about today. So I'll begin. Tychicus, how would you like that name? Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant of the Lord. I am sending him to you with the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming, here's the second long snapper, with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. And, and Paul's closing out his letter to the, to the Colossian church, and he introduces us to two men, Tychicus and Onesimus. Now, 
these are, these are the two guys who are going to be delivering the letter that he's writing. So Paul is in prison at the moment. He's writing the letter to the Colossian church, and he's tasking Onesimus and Tychicus. He's saying, I want you to go and deliver this letter for me. I want you to head, because he's in Rome at the moment. He said, I want you to go head to Colossae and deliver this letter for me. Now, we're going to come back to Tychicus in, in just a minute. But where I want to focus on right away this morning is on Onesimus. Now, who is this guy? Who is this guy, Onesimus, that, that Paul is writing about? Well, from Paul's description, he's a faithful and dear brother, and he says that he's one of you. So what we can gather from that is Onesimus, when he says he's one of you, Onesimus is from the city of Colossae. He, he's, from, he's from Colossae, and he says that he's a, a faithful and dear brother. And so one of the things that the people in Colossae knew, though, as Paul was writing this, was Onesimus wasn't just a guy from Colossae. He was actually a slave who had run away from his master. He was a slave that had run away from his master, and his master's name was Philemon. All right, I know I'm throwing a number of names at you, but these are all going to be important and tie together. That, that Onesimus once was owned, he was once the property of a man named Philemon, and Philemon was one of the leaders in the Colossian church. So there's, there's a lot of different moving parts that are going on that Paul is addressing right here. And, but Onesimus, he had run away from Philemon. He had run away from his master, Philemon, and we don't necessarily know the circumstances as to why or how he got away or anything like that, but he took off from Colossae and decided to go to Rome, no doubt to probably get lost in the crowd and, and all of this. And at some point, Paul and Onesimus' Onesimus' path cross. And Paul and Onesimus get introduced to one another. And and we don't know how that happened. Maybe Onesimus got incarcerated himself, perhaps while Paul was out on house arrest. He just met this guy. But somehow, Onesimus and Paul meet, and Paul leads this slave to Jesus. He starts telling him about Jesus, where he says, He's a, a faithful and dear brother. And he's going to talk more about Onesimus in just a moment. But he, he's saying that Onesimus was a slave. I led him to the Lord. And now he's, now he's a brother. Now he's a member of, of this church. And not just that, he's a co-laborer. Like, he, he wasn't just, all right, he's just a guy. He got saved and all this. No, no, no. Onesimus, I'm giving him a job now too. He's going to go help and deliver these letters that, that I have. He was a slave. He had nothing to offer. He had nothing to give. He had no social standing. And he was of no importance whatsoever. That's what he was before. But I want to tell you this. The the second point I want to share with you is that God redeems our past to carry out his purposes. God redeems our past, the things that have happened to us in the the past before, so that we can carry out his purposes. Before, Onesimus was a slave, but now he's a new creation. Now he, he, he's altogether new. All those old things have gone, and behold, all things have become new. And, and God had a plan, and God had a purpose for Onesimus. He had something that he wanted him to do. And, and you're, you're thinking, all right, Onesimus, here, I'm, I'm writing this letter down. I want you to go deliver this letter back to the city of Colossae, back to the city where you ran away from your master Philemon. 
And if, and if you're Onesimus, you're probably thinking, um, <laughs> you sure that's a good idea, Paul? Like, I, I, I specifically left there because I didn't want to be around Philemon. Like, the people there, they know my story. They know what's going on. What, what if I end up having to go back to Philemon? What, what's going to happen to me then? But, but Paul, had, Paul had a plan. He wasn't just sending Onesimus out there on his own. Paul had a plan in mind. Because not only when he was in prison, not only did he write the book of Colossians, he also wrote a letter to Philemon. And, and, if, you, and if you look in your Bible... It might be kind of hard to find Philemon because it's one of the shortest books of the Bible. It's one chapter long. It's really short. And it's Paul's letter to Philemon appealing for Onesimus. And, and I want to share, share part of that with you right now. In, in Philemon's verses 18, verses 21, he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to, and order you, excuse me, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. All right, Paul's essentially, he's kind of like pulling rank here. He said, all right, it's Paul, it's me. I could order you to do something, but in fact, I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm going to try to appeal to you on the basis of love. He said, "It it, it, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's saying, all right, just a reminder who's writing you this letter. And just so you know, I'm in prison. Just think about that for a minute, Philemon. He says, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. He calls him a son. Who, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now, he has become useful to both you and me. Now, now this is a, a little bit of wordplay that Paul's actually using right now because the name Onesimus means useful. And he says, you know what, Onesimus, he used to be useless to you. But now, now that he's a brother, now that he's been welcomed into the family of God, now he's not just useless, he's useful to both you and to me. He says, I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him here with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in, the chain, while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. Think about that statement for a moment. He's saying, you know what, Philemon, you and Onesimus, you've been separated for a while. He used to be property. He used to be a slave. Now I'm sending him back to you, not as property, not as a slave. I'm sending him back to you as a brother. I'm sending him back to you as one of us. So if you consider me a partner, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong, any, if he has done you any wrong, or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe, you owe me your very self. So you say, you know what? You're only here. You only know the gospel because of me anyways. I'm just, just reminding you of that. But he said, if, if Onesimus owes you anything, charge it to me. I'll take care of it. I do wish, brother, 
that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Man, what, what, a, what a beautiful letter that Paul is writing to Philemon. And what he's saying is, he said, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Onesimus was wrong. He was, he was a slave. He was your property. He left. He shouldn't have done that. But I'm sending him back to you, and I'm asking you to receive him, not as property, not as a slave. I'm asking you to receive him as a brother. This man who formerly had nothing to offer, nothing to give, was a nobody in society. And now I'm saying I'm sending him back to you as a brother, as a co-laborer. I, I, I want you, I love this story of Onesimus because it really shares a couple things about really the heart and the character of who God is. So the, the third thing I want to share with you is this, that being a child of God erases the labels that society puts on you. If you are a child of God, the labels that you used to have, that society has put on you, the labels you've put on yourself have now been erased. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. When you, when you give your life to Christ, you have been made altogether new. Not just, not just a... I, I can crumple up this piece of paper and unfold it. All right, He's not, he's not giving you... He's not saying, all right, you're just kind of a, a brand new, crumpled up piece of paper. No, he said, you are altogether brand new. 100% brand new. And so Paul, Paul even addresses this in his letter to uh, the Tychicus and Onesimus we're getting ready to deliver. In, in the book of Colossians, Paul actually addresses this very thing. In Colossians 3.11, he says, In this life, it does not matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And he lives in all of us. What, what, what Paul's saying, he's saying, you know what? And I have no doubt in my mind, he was thinking of Onesimus when he was writing this. He said, it doesn't matter if you're a slave or if you're free, if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If, you've got, if you have it all together or you're totally messed up, what matters most is Christ who is in us. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, that, that's the whole heart behind the appeal that Paul is making to Philemon. He's saying, you know what? I know he used to be a slave. I know he used to be your property, but he's no longer a slave. He says, he's a dear brother. He's a dear brother. Th this man who had no social standing before has now right standing with God. He's one of us. Now, and, and isn't that beautiful? And so I, I, want you, I want you to be encouraged by this, that you may have been an alcoholic, you may have been a drug, a drug addict, you may have been a blasphemer, a loser, a nobody, but when you start and engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're no longer all those things. You're no longer those things that you used to be. You're no longer the, those labels that society has put on you. You are no longer the labels you have put on yourself but you are something altogether brand new. Now, the, the second thing, though, that we learn from Onesimus' story is this, that God uses the insignificant to accomplish the significant. And this is huge. I want you to get this. God uses the insignificant to accomplish the significant. Onesimus was a nobody. 
He was a nobody in society. He had no rights. He had no status. He had no place. He was just somebody's property. But in, in verse 11 in Philemon, it says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. Pre- previously, Onesimus was contributing nothing to society. He was advancing no eternal cause. He was just living life, working probably in somebody's house or in somebody's field or something like that. But now, but now he had been transformed by the power of the gospel. Now th- this former nobody was now a somebody. He was now becoming useful to, to Paul and to Philemon and to the church. In fact, and if, if there's anything I want you to get out of this message is this. And, and this is so, so key. I, I would challenge everybody, commit this to memory right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 29. Paul writes, But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God uses ordinary, everyday people like you and like me and like Onesimus and Tychicus. I mean, the Bible is full of people, just normal, everyday people that God decides to use, people who don't have it all together, people whose, whose lives are a mess, people who have a history and a past. And he says, I want to use you to advance the kingdom of God. Like that, that, that should be encouraging to everybody sitting here. I want to use you to advance the kingdom of God. The, the Bible is full, full of examples of people who are a mess that God decided he could use. And, and I'll tell you this, God is not looking for a stellar resume. What God is looking for is people who are willing and available. That, that's, that's who God's looking for. People who are willing and available. That, that's been my prayer for my kids. That's been my prayer for this church. God, let us be a church who is willing and available. We might not have all the degrees on our wall. We might not have everything that the world looks at that would signify us being successful. We might just be a bunch of long snappers. But at the end of the day, God uses long snappers to win victories for the kingdom of God. And so the final thing I, I, I want to share with you about this story about Onesimus and Tychicus is this, and this is so key, is that there is no role, no role is too small in the story of God. No role is too small in the story of God. You don't have to be a Peter or a Paul or a Billy Graham or a C.S. Lewis. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary you don't have to have gone to Bible college and have all the degrees in the world, have a, have a master of theology or doctorate or anything like that. There's no role that's too small in the story of God. I, I'll, I'll tell you, let, let's bring it home here for just a minute. If you are changing diapers in our nursery, there's no role that's too small in the kingdom of God. If you are brewing coffee or you're cleaning up coffee spills on a Sunday morning, or you're handing out bulletins, or you're just greeting people at the door and with a warm handshake, whatever it is, there is no task in the kingdom of God that is meaningless. I, I want you to know this. There is no task 
in the kingdom of God that is meaningless. Let, let's, let's bring it back to Tychicus for just a minute. Now, now Tychicus, Paul said that he was a faithful minister and a fellow servant. In, in the book of Acts, Luke writes about Tychicus that he was zealous for the church. So Tychicus, he, he, was, he was a guy, he was around, he, he was willing, he was available. And the, when the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write the book of Colossians, and when he inspired Paul to write the book of Philemon, Paul was looking around. He said, all right, I, I, need, I need somebody I can count on. I need somebody who can go and deliver these letters for me. And he looks around and he says, ah, Tychicus, I need you. I, wa- I want you to help me. Onesimus, I want you to come here. I want you to help me. And, and, and the thing is, Tychicus, he said, you know what? If you need me, I'm in. Now, what Tychicus could have said, he said, really? You want me to be an errand boy? To be a mailman? Like, to, you want me just to go de- hand deliver a letter for you? Like, how many other people could, could do this job? Like, why me? Why, why is it that you want me to go and, and deliver this letter? But what's so key, what's so beautiful about this is when Paul was writing the letter to the Colossian church and when he wrote that letter to, the, to Philemon and he said, Tychicus, I want, I want you to go back to Colossae. I want you to, to deliver this for me. Tychicus, he did not know that he was holding the word of God in his hands. In that moment, Tychicus didn't realize that that letter that he was holding, that letter that he was going to deliver, was going to provide comfort to millions of people throughout the next 2,000 years. He didn't know at the time what, what value there was in, in, that, in those two letters that he was carrying to Colossae. He didn't know the end of the story. All he knew was, you know what? Paul's asked me to do something. I'm going to be faithful with this role because there is no role that's too small in the story of God. Nothing that we do is insignificant. Nothing that we, can, nothing that we do is meaningless. If, if Tychicus knew that what he was holding was literally the, the Word of God, that is in our Bible today, that all of us would sit here and be able to read and be able to glean wisdom and comfort from, like he would have guarded that with his life. In the moment, Tychicus didn't know that. He, just, he was just saying, all right, Paul, you need my help, I'll do it. Whatever you need, hey, I'm there. I'm going to do it with all, with all my heart. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, whatever role you've been asked to play, do it with all your heart. Those babies whose diapers you're changing in the nursery, you don't know what someday they're going to grow up and be able to make such a gigantic impact in the kingdom of God. You don't know that while you're back there and you're playing and you're being with, with their kids, that there's lives that are being transformed in this room by the power of God. That the, the waitress that, that you smile at, the person that you shake hands with, the, the people that you interact with on a daily basis, you have no idea what God can do in their lives through you. And so I'll, 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 I just, and I'm not trying to be nasty about this, but let's not be casual. Let's not, let's not take the call that God has on all of our lives casually, where, where it'd be easy to miss some divine appointment that God might have, that he wants to do something great. And we say, man, somebody else can do that. Tychicus could have easily said that. He said, really, Paul, send somebody else. I got things to do. Like, I, I got, 
I want, I want to be more valuable than just being an errand boy. But no, that's not, that's not, that's not what he said. In that moment, in that moment, Titus said, you have a need, I'll do it. Whatever it is, I, I'm in. I'm 100% in. And God used him mightily. God used these two men, Tychicus and Onesimus, to, to, deliver, to deliver two letters. And those two letters have changed the world. Those two letters have, have literally changed the world. Don't look down on the contribution that God is asking you to do. No role. No role is too small in the story of God. And so whatever it is that God has asked you to do, if it's to straighten chairs, straighten chairs for the glory of God. If it's to pass out bulletins, pass out bulletins for the glory of God. If, it, if it's to lead a Sunday school class, teach that Sunday school class for the glory of God. If it's just to come here and greet people on a Sunday morning and give them a smile and a handshake, do it for the glory of God. Because you never know. You never know what those small little gestures are going to do in somebody's life that is going to have an eternal impact somewhere else. We all have a purpose. We all have a role to play. And none of us are insignificant. We might look insignificant in the eyes of the world, but God sees us with different eyes than what the world sees. So I'd, I'd like to close with this. I'll invite our, our, the worship team to come back up here. And I, I want to close with this, that as we've been talking about Isaiah 61, we've been talking about the idea of, of exchange, that we exchange our ashes for his beauty, our mourning for the oil of joy, that, that, that there's, we give up something in order to receive something else. And that first thing that Isaiah 61 talked about was that Jesus was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, those who have no social standing, those who don't have it all together, who in the world's eyes are nothing. And something beautiful happens when we've heard the good news and we've begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. That those, those former labels that we had, that former life that we used to have, has now been exchanged for brand new life in Him. I want you to hear that. That when we start a relationship with Jesus Christ, all those old things have been exchanged for brand new life in Jesus Christ. Paul took a slave, a runaway slave, and because he was introduced to the good news of Jesus Christ, he was no longer just a slave anymore. That he had been had that exchange for new life in Christ. And, and, and I'll tell you this, the devil wants us to believe the lies. The devil wants us to believe the labels that we give ourselves and that society gives us. And I just tell you, reject those now. Reject those lies. Let's find out, who does God say I am? God says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I am a child, I am a son, I am a daughter of the King. That I have been brought out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Let's see ourselves in the light of how God sees us. Not in the way that the world looks at us. And so I, I want to pray right now. And, and first, I, I, just, I want to pray for anybody in the room who has not yet begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want, I want to pray for anybody here that when you just kind of look at your life and say, man, my life has just been a mess. And I've been living this life on my own. I've, I've been living this life far away from God. And I need Him to come into my life. I, I need to start 
And I need to begin a relationship with him. I need him to cleanse me from the inside out. And so I'm going to ask everyone, just close your eyes right now for, for me, just for a moment. And if that's you, if there's anybody in this room right now, that if I asked you, have you never started a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you never asked him to come in and, and be Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sins, forgive you of your mess, and be made a new creation? If, if that's you, I'm going to ask you, just raise your hand right now. If there's anyone in the room who has never asked Jesus into your life and to forgive you, just raise your hand right now. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And I also want to pray for those this morning who feel unworthy, who feel unqualified, who feel insignificant, who feel like, how could God ever use somebody like me? And I'll tell you, you're the type of person, you're the long snapper that God is looking for because he wants to do something awesome in your life. So let me just pray for you right now. So Father, God, we love you so much this morning. Thank you so much for the precious gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, that, that, that he came so that we might have new life, Lord. God, I, I pray for those that raised their hand this morning, saying that they wanted to begin a relationship with you. God, those in the room today who have been far from God and are in desperate need of a Savior. Father, we, we confess that we've made a mess of things. God, we, we confess that, that, we've, that we've sinned against you. We've sinned against others. And God, we, we just ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse our hearts and, and make us new. God, we want to invite you in this morning. And not just invite you in, but we want you to take over. God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for not putting you in your rightful place. God, we accept the work that you did on the cross on our behalf, that you took a punishment that you didn't deserve to pay a price that we could never pay. So God, thank you for taking my place and for forgiveness that you freely and, and give to us today. God, we're calling out to you and we just receive that gift of salvation this morning. That God, when we enter into relationship with you, that we truly are a new creation, that you have given us new life. And, and Lord, I also just want to lift up those who might feel unworthy, who might feel unqualified or insignificant, Lord, that feel like they have nothing to offer. But God, in you, we have everything. We have everything we could ever need. God, thank you for, for that love that you've, that you've shown to us. And not only did you save us and, and redeem broken people like us, but God, you invite us to participate in the work that you're doing. God, help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to reject the labels that society has given us, those labels that we've given ourselves. And God, to know who we truly are in you. God, we, we sit here today, Lord, as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of our goodness, Lord, but because of yours. So God, we thank you. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for the gift of your Son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.